Hello, hello. Welcome to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. I'm your host, AC. Here is where we discuss all things faith and family. I share real life stories of home life as a wife, mother of five, home educator, and all the learning curves my family and I are journeying through. As you can imagine, we're in a busy season and I have a lot to share. The goal, getting back to the basics of raising strong families. Let's talk about it. Hello, hello. This is episode 10 entitled Toddlers with Tantrums. Let me preface this episode by stating I love children, but they can be pretty rotten. (laughs) All God's children are precious and I'm grateful for the children that I have. But can we talk about two seasons of raising a family that were not my favorite? Toddlers and teens. (laughs) Those were two seasons of my life that I think I did most of my praying. Matter of fact, I I may have rededicated my life to Jesus just a few times out of sheer doubt that I was doing something horribly wrong. Today, we're going to talk about toddlers with tantrums. On the next episode, we're going to talk about teenagers. Before we jump into that segment of the podcast, let's jump into some AC Pearls. All right, y'all, I did a whole episode on the critical role that parents play in the lives of children as it pertains to teaching and training. So if you haven't listened to episode eight, I recommend that you go back and listen to that episode before diving into today's episode. Today, I'm going to be reading from Jeremiah 31 verse 21. Set up road markers for yourself. Place guideposts for yourself. Direct your mind to the highway, the way by which you went. Return, O Israel, return, O virgin of Israel, return to these cities. Have you ever heard that children don't come with an instruction manual? When you come home from the hospital, there isn't a step-by-step manual that teaches you to be a good mother, father, or caretaker for your children. It's a figure-it-out endeavor. Good luck. And you're shooting from the dark. (laughs) Well, I discovered in my 20s that that's not true. The Bible and the Christian men and women that God brought into my life to mature me as a woman and a mother was the evidence that that's just, that's not true. I had everything I needed growing up in my 20s as a single mother and now a wife of multiples at home. Whether or not I chose to pick up my Bible Uh, stay the course that God had revealed to me through his word or not, it was a completely different story. But I cannot deny that I had everything I needed, as Jeremiah outlined, to set road markers for myself. Now, Jeremiah is referring to the nation of Israel who had turned their backs on God. They were in exile, out of the land of promise, because of their disobedience. And after 70 years, they were making their way back to the home, to their homelands, to the land that God had promised them. They set up road markers along their route for others who would come after them to show them the way back home. I had a guidepost for parenting. I had a guidepost for womanhood, for marriage, and everything else that I had a question on or that I was struggling with along my parenting journey. What I know now that I wish I would have implemented sooner in my life was that 
it was up to me to direct my mind away from that backwards way of thinking that perhaps I inherited from previous generations. Perhaps I adopted it from the culture, but I wanted, I had to get back to God's way, to God's instruction that was already laid out for me. And I wish I would have done it sooner and been consistent with it. Simply put, there's no way I could follow the culture and some of the toxic dysfunctional things that I'd learned from, you know, my family, there's no way that I could follow that and follow God. I had to choose which way I was going to travel. It was a combination of ways that I'd unknowingly adopted from previous generations, the culture and social influences that instinctively I knew were wrong, but didn't know any better or didn't have the courage to turn back and go the way no one else was going. I didn't want to be the oddball out, the black sheep of the family. I didn't have the fortitude then to go against the grain. And I was hanging on to the need to take people with me that I knew was not on the same path as me. They weren't of the same mindset. What I know now is that God is using Hubby and I to set road markers for our children. We are placing guideposts so they don't have to go down the paths that we've previously traveled and we've already discovered that's not the right way. What does setting road markers and guideposts have to do with toddlers? Here's an AC Pearl to wrap up the segment. Matthew 19, 13 to 14. Then some children were brought to him, that is Jesus, so that he would lay hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, leave the children alone and do not forbid them to come to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. One of our roles as parents in our children's lives is to set road markers for them. Don't do what mommy did. This is where that road leads. Dad chose that route before. And this is what happened to him. We serve as guideposts for our children. They learn better. They choose wiser and have an advantage in life when they have a guide. Without it, we put them on the same paths that we traveled and set them up for the same outcomes as we fell prey to. AC Talk. I had a conversation with my oldest brother about toddlers. He and his wife had been listening to my podcast and he asked me one day, he said, sis, could you do an episode on toddlers? (laughs) They are helping to care for their 18 month old grandson. And that little booger is going through a stage where he's expressing himself. He's picking up some words, testing boundaries and getting, getting real comfortable. He's in that toddler phase. Now, when babies are born, they can do no wrong. They're cute, they're cuddly, little bundles of joy, right? (laughs) They can do no wrong. They sleep a lot for the most part. If you feed them, make sure their butts are dry and give them lots of love and attention, they're cool. Babies are easy. When they start to understand how crying can be their primary weapon to get what they want, it opens up a whole new world of demands. 
when they turn two or three years old, that's when the mental wars begin. They, they get a few words under their belt. They learn how to push buttons and their temperaments towards their parents, their grandparents in some cases are just wild. And it's like, they just, they just played like a chess game with you and you're the pieces. <laughs> when my daughter Afia turned three years old, I didn't think we were going to make it. This little girl started having temper tantrums like I've never personally experienced before or heard of. I don't want to tell all this girl's business, but let's just say there were some bizarre behaviors that at one point I just knew this girl was possessed. I, I mean, it was a battle every day over the simplest things. Time to get dressed. She'd throw herself on the floor and have a fit for hours, kicking and screaming, turning red and purple. I've never seen a baby turn purple before. Time to wash her hair. This girl turned into a gladiator and she would use anything around her to throw it at me, biting and kicking and screaming like, like I was trying to murder her. If it was time for bed, nope. No one is sleeping. No one slept in our house when when my daughter Afia uh, hit her toddler stage. She would scream and holler through the night like like she was in solitary confinement. But all the lights were on, and her room is well decorated and just just fit for a princess. I guess now that I'm thinking about it, she's just she was just being bratty. But either or, this girl screamed, and nobody could sleep. We had one of those toddlers that would fall out in, in the stores just because she couldn't have candy. She'd scream and hold her breath until she almost passed out. One day in church, she didn't want to go into the children's room, so I let her sit with me in church. Then she wanted to leave and go back to the children's room, so I said, no, we're here now. We're going to stay until it's over. She would get warmed up and I could just see it in her face and just see it in her, in her entire body where she was just, she would just get warm up for a fit. And I'd just lean over to her and just whisper in her ear, don't try it. Or we're going to have to have a talk in the bathroom. And then she'd scream, please, mom, please don't bait me <laughs> in front of the whole congregation. And at first my soul was like, oh my gosh, no, she didn't just try that. But you know what, guys, at that point, I was so fed up with her shenanigans. I yelled at her back. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to save you. <laughs> and I just did this. <laughs> I just did this like maniacal laugh. And I was just like dead in her face going toe to toe with a toddler in church. It was quite the spectacle. So, yeah, I had one of those personalities. That's what I was dealing with. And man, I couldn't see how either of us was going to make it through her toddler years. Afia is five now, and we made it through that terrible season with more funny memories than traumatic ones. So now the behaviorisms of toddlers is it's just too nuanced to give even the most general advice to parents. So I'm not going to give you hope. <laughs> I'm more of a realist and than an optimist in that regard. So I'm going to share how hubby and I approached our difficult toddler and hopefully it'll encourage you as the parent to just examine and reapproach what you're doing in your toddler season. And I hope it encourages you three bullet points as a means to assess the situation 
examine potential holes in your perspective and how you're approaching the toddler season and look for opportunities to make healthy improvements. Number one, check your heart. First Corinthians chapter 13 is often used in marriage ceremonies, but I like to use it as a reminder on how to teach and model for our children what love is. Love is patient. Children, like adults, know when they're just being tolerated, when they're not wanted, when they're not liked. They may not be able to articulate it, but trust me, they instinctively comprehend when they're a nuisance, they're bothersome, they're undesired, the list goes on. All that may be true, (laughs) you may not like that particular behavior, you may not like that particular season, but it's our job to take the behaviors that they're given us and teach them better, more appropriate, loving, and welcoming behaviors. Some of the questions I had to ask myself when dealing with a troublesome toddler is, am I being patient enough with her? Or is my response towards her behavior an outpouring of my frustration with her because she's pushing my buttons? Am I embarrassed by her behavior in public and simply reacting because she's making me look bad as a mother? And, you know, the list goes on. We're just reacting out of their behavior towards us versus taking what they're giving us, being more patient and flipping that thing around. There was an instance I knew that that little girl wanted negative attention and it was in the grocery store one day and I just made up my mind. I was not going to, I wasn't going to give it to her. I was not going to leave my shopping cart and go home out of pure embarrassment, which I've done before. (laughs) And I wasn't going to, we were going to sit in that produce section of Publix and work whatever out, work it out. And we're just going to sit there until we came to an understanding and we can finish our grocery shopping. Once that little girl knew I was not going to give in to that behavior and I wasn't affected by her behavior and I wasn't going anywhere, it's like something kind of changed in her demeanor. She knew that whatever she was doing was, I wasn't going to allow it. And she wasn't going to get the response out of me that she wanted. So she calmed down. And I gave her a task to help me finish the grocery shopping. And she was just a happy camper. And I just remember that day because something just kind of, it's like I found a key and I, or I found the magic button that I could push just to diffuse her. A mom who was observing the spectacle came over to me and all four of my daughters. And she gave me a pat on the back and I could have cried. <laughs> I appreciated that encouragement because my nerves were just shot. Side note, parents, don't be afraid to walk up to strangers and give them some some words of encouragement. I wouldn't necessarily recommend a pat on the back, but just give them, you know, a figurative pat on the back. Let them know, hey, I saw what happened and you rocked. You did a great job. You handled that very well. You were so patient, whatever. Let them know they're doing a great job. After all, We're raising the next generation and it's just, it's not easy. Um, Okay, so number one, check your heart. Number two, ask yourself this question. Where am I missing the mark? It may seem like I'm I'm picking on parents, but um, 
I do think as parents, we have to make the initial investment and the initial sacrifice for our children and the future generation. Real love takes sacrifice and our children, especially as toddlers, should not be the ones to have to make any sacrifices for us as adults. To do so would create, I think, bitterness, anger, frustration in our children who grow up to be rotten, underdeveloped adults, just confused. That's how generational curses are birthed and perpetuate. We can't sit back in old age and say to ourselves, well, I did the best I can do or the best I knew how to do without first identifying where could I have missed the mark? If you can't think of one thing as a parent that you could have done better or where you are completely missing the mark, you're not doing your due diligence to ensure you're doing right by your children and setting them up for success. This is where we can either create delusions for ourselves and choose to live in them, or we can take a step back and say, you know what, this has been a difficult day. This has been a difficult week. Let me step back and just examine my part in the chaos and what I can do better. And I'm not talking about perfectionism. I, I'm not talking about, you know, trying to become a perfect parent. You're doing everything right and you're checking all the boxes and, and you're just like driving yourself crazy to make sure, you know, you just, you do everything perfect. I'm not talking about that. And I'm not talking about beating yourself up because I'm sure you can name a bunch of things that you could do better. We're not perfect, but let's be more practical. Isolate the behaviors your child is communicating to you because they communicate through their actions. They communicate what they want. They communicate what they need through their actions and they're crying and it's nonverbal. And sometimes if it is verbal, it's jumbled and it's just, it's like a code that you have to crack. And then also through their behaviors, you can be proactive and identify something that needs to be addressed explained or taught. My daughter used to yell in public, of course, you don't like me. She would just say, you don't like me when I told her no, or that she couldn't have her way. To me, that communicates, number one, she has a flawed view of what it means to quote unquote, like someone. Liking someone doesn't mean you get your way all the time um, or Boundaries doesn't equal dislike. Number two, there's a self-centeredness that that had to be addressed. She has four other siblings that need mommy's time and attention also. And it's not fair to consume so much of mommy's time combating poor behavior or poor attitudes that is just taking away from the other children. And I think as a middle child, sometimes that that type of that can be overlooked you know, if you have a sibling who is, quote unquote, the the troublesome one and they're getting most of mommy and daddy's attention, even if it is negative, you're taken away from the other children that maybe they're easy, you know, easygoing and they're kind of non-problematic and you're thinking, ah, they're okay. Nope, they still need your attention. It's just they're deserving of more positive attention. But regardless, like I try to divide up my time evenly amongst my children, whether they're needing to be corrected or whether 
they're needing some encouragement, positive or negative, you know, attention, whatever the case may be. I try to make sure not one child is consuming more of mommy's time and is not in a combative type of unproductive way, if that makes sense. Simply put, the world doesn't revolve around her. And number three, she's learning to consume more than she's willing to give. I did a whole episode on consumption versus production. If your child is in a habit of taking, 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 and we're not fostering in them a spirit of give of yourself more. Um, I said earlier that we shouldn't be making too much sacrifices, but for a toddler, they can sacrifice one thing. They being patient is a sacrifice withholding what you want, when you want, how you want it is, is exercising on a toddler level, patience, learning how to be still and wait for your sister to finish talking at the dinner table before you input what you want to say. That's like the baby stages of exercising patience. That's the baby stages of denying yourself putting out what you want to put out and just withholding it, reserving it, waiting. It's like, what is it called? What do psychologists call it? Delayed gratification. It's like, a de- there, let there be a delay. So you're sacrificing in that regard. So we can teach our children that. And then she's consuming more than she's willing to give. So you're taking of people's time and, and energy and other people's patience so that you can what? You're just giving... You're just having the conversation that you want to have. You're just steering the family direction as far as activities and wants and the moods and everything else in the direction that you want it to go. That's like the world revolving around you. And that's just a poor character trait to develop and foster and encourage. So instead of that, I think it's for me as a parent, it was important for me to let her know, call it out. I teach my children how to negotiate. There is no reward for poor behavior. Instead, if we want or need something, they got to earn it, a.k.a. work for it or learn how to negotiate for it through good behavior, through positive behavior. So if we're at the dinner table and she really wants to say something, first she has to negotiate her way through you know what, let me let my sister get out what she wants to say. Let me let my sister finish what she was saying about her, how her day went before I interject and change the entire conversation to something else. Because I really want to talk about, I don't know, going to the pool later on. Before I interject and change the subject, let me just first acknowledge someone else. Let me validate what someone else is saying or what someone else has done and applaud them first before I interject and change things around. It's a give and take. As a parent, I miss the mark when I don't give them positive and productive communication skills, a balanced perspective of their needs and wants, and teach them the appropriate means to address their frustrations. So number one, check your heart. Number two, ask yourself, where am I missing the mark as, as a parent and by extension, a caretaker of toddlers. Number three, trust the process and leave room for grace. I'm a living testament to how God can use everything 
the good, the bad, the ugly. If if you didn't do right by your first child and you did better with the subsequent children, don't beat yourself up. God can use it all. My first child was, I always call it my trial and error baby. <laughs> I learned the most about parenting in the 18 years of his upbringing to be a better mother for my four daughters. Are there things my oldest child missed out on as I was growing up and maturing as a woman and and a mommy and now a wife of multiples? Absolutely. But God says his grace is sufficient. He can use the use the marks that we missed as parents for his glory. So I don't beat myself up about it. Give it to God. Learn better. Do better. Teach better. And if you know you've done that, you know you've done your due diligence. And to me, I have peace. If you know your heart is in the right place, you've done your due diligence as a parent and teaching and training your children, you have to trust the process and leave room for grace. I told my now 20-year-old son, Micaiah, when, when he was a teenager, look, if you want to grow up and be a little terrorist and not listen to a word I'm saying, that's fine. But you ain't about to catch me on the news sticking up for you and whatever backwards behavior or choices that you've made. <laughs> I used to tell him all the time. Like when he was 13, hey, hey, that behavior right there, if you choose to manifest that and, and go down that path, I'm not about to be the one the news crew knocks on my door and I'm like, oh, making up excuses for you. Oh, it's just his mental health. Oh, it's just this buddy. No, because I'm teaching you better and you know better. So if you're choosing that for your life, don't look for sympathy from me. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> the point is, they may go down a path that we did not model for them and we did not teach them. They may turn out to be the most rotten human beings you'd never expect to come out of your household. Leave room for grace, parents. Give yourself credit where it's due and seek God's peace about it. Our children are young for a blip of time. We cannot afford to take ownership emotionally and, and psychologically of their choices in life as personal failures. Leave room for disappointments and letdowns. I know it sounds a little harsh maybe, but it's the truth. They're going to be their own people one day. And if every choice and decision they make, you take it as a direct reflection of, oh my gosh, I messed up. Where does that leave room for them to take accountability for? Nabra, they messed up. <laughs> sure, you can admit where you missed the mark if if they find themselves on a path because of a neglect or a misstep on your part as a parent, but we can't take full ownership and condemn ourselves for their adult choices. Age-appropriate accountability. A toddler can understand certain behaviors th that are not okay and be taught what is okay, what is appropriate. A 20-something-year-old understands certain behaviors are not conducive to living a lifestyle that honors God and family. Instinctively, they know. There's an age of accountability. And whether you are explicitly taught it or not, it doesn't have to be. The way God designed us, because we are our Father's creation, we know. We know. If we're honest with ourselves. Now, if you're lying to yourself and you're in that habit of lying to yourself and you're in delusion, that's a different story. 
but instinctively God has put it in us. He's put eternity in our hearts. So instinctively we know right from wrong, whether you want to admit it or not, again, different story, but it's, it's in us. It does. Some things don't have to be explicitly taught and you don't have to blame yourself for their choices. If they choose to deny that what God has already put in our hearts. So there's no excuse for anyone. Here's a pearl to wrap up the segment. Check your heart. Ask yourself, where am I missing the mark? Trust the process and leave room for grace. Romans 1, 19 to 20 says, because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived being understood by what has been made so that they are without excuse. All right, that concludes the conversation for today. I trust the podcast encourages you to continue the conversation in your family circle. Stop by my IG and Facebook page at ACS Visions. Show me some love, share your comments on the episode and how this podcast is encouraging you. You can also visit my website at www.acsvisions.com. You'll find a link to send me an email if you'd like to show your support that way. As a reminder, episodes are published every Thursday. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcasting platform so you get notified the moment a new episode drops. Thank you for listening to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. Until next time.